Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hatch Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I really appreciate it. I think Ben appreciates it. Um, I will reiterate, Ben and I, we're automotive journalists, but we're best bud. We best buds, right? <laughs> I couldn't even say it. Pass. Pass on that question. <laughs> Uh, we're such good friends that I'm going to let Ben just take control of the podcast from here on out until I take it back so that he can tell you where to find all of his latest work. Ben, go for it. Uh, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Haggerty, and at Inside Hook. Can I have the walk? Can I have the talking stick back now? Yeah, no more talking stick. That was fun for one podcast, but I think we got to I think we got to retire it. OK, it's retired. I'm going to break it over my knee. Uh, is that re- disrespectful? Yes. I'm sorry. My ancestors are frowning. Um, my name is Sammy. You can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine. You can also find my work at Automotive News, which is uh, a new one for me. Ben, we've got some uh, sporty cars to talk about today, and I'm going to take the lead here. I want to tell you about this new car that I've been driving. It's called the Subaru WRX. Wait, new car? What do you mean? Uh, WRX is new around version forever. of the. This is a new version of the WRX. It's got a new motor. Um, it looks really um, weird. It kind of looks like an SUV, despite being um, a sedan. It kind of, it more than kind of looks like an SUV. And I also want to point out that this is the first time that we've had a WRX and been told that there would never be an STI version. Yes, there will not be an STI um, version of this generation. I guess is the best way to describe it. That, did that happen with the last gen too? No, we had an STI. No? Okay. So I don't know what, you know, this this is carrying forward the like Subaru performance like flag right now. And um, that's a lot of pressure to put on a little compact, isn't it? Is it really a little compact though? Because as you pointed oh, out, no, it's not, it's this not thing is kind of like, it re- you know what it reminds me of a little bit is back in the 90s when they had this sports activity sedan. Yeah. Yep. The the uh, little known version of the Outback that wasn't a wagon and yep. it, it was th- so the guy who came up with the idea for the Outback, he was, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time now, but he was a dealership owner in New England mm-hmm. and he had convinced Subaru that if they made this kind of rugged package, they would sell a lot of them. And he also convinced Subaru to try a sedan version. And like he was right about the wagon. So they're like, OK, we'll let you do the sedan or I don't remember if there's the exact order, but they let him do it. And. It's not really a car you see anymore. Like no. it, it, it kind of only appealed to very specific people who lived in like Massachusetts and Maine and stuff, and and then the rest kind of ate them all out. Yeah. Um, but uh, can I say that on the podcast anyway? Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? So the uh, new WRX is blossomed in size to be yeah. roughly what the legacy was in the '90s, if not bigger. But it has even more plastic body cladding. Sammy, I don't know how I feel about it. It um it looks a little bit better in person than it does um in in on photos I think but it is the there are basically these like body cladding around the wheel arches that just make it look like an SUV I will point out that there's like these little fins or like um um vents all over the WRX and from what I understand these are all functional every element of, of like sort of venting here is either for cooling or aerodynamics, which I think is, um, it's authentic. Right? Straight, authentic. straight up, how much money does Subaru save by not painting this plastic? 
<laughs> I think there, there's a couple of hundred bucks there for sure. Okay. It adds up, um, you know? Of course, of course. Um, this is using the Subaru Global Platform. It does not use the um, the 2-liter turbo engine that the last generation model uses. Instead, it uses a 2.4-liter turbocharged engine that makes 271 horsepower and 258 pound-feet of torque, which naturally goes to all four wheels. You can get this thing with a CVT if you do feel like it. I'm not sure that's the best pick here. But if you want um, driver assistance features or like torque vectoring, you're gonna need to get the CVT in order for for those features. That is a, that, and I want to point out that people might think, oh, why would Subaru ever make a version of the WRX with an automatic? Well, they they have historically the very first generation had a four speed automatic that you could get with it. The first generation yeah. that came to North America, but. Um, the real reason is they're by doing this, it allows them to get top safety pick uh, status or top safety yeah. pick plus status from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, which is a big safety organization in the United States that does a lot of crash testing. And if they don't have the automatic, they don't have eyesight. If they don't have eyesight, then they don't qualify for safety pick plus. So it's yeah. kind of a bit of a political thing in as much as it's also related to sales to people who actually want an auto. So I have what's um, uh, called the... Uh, WRX Limited, which is about $35,000, $36,000. And I have um, some feelings about this car. I'm not sure uh, I'm totally in love with it. And I also don't know if this is hitting the market um, for enthusiasts or people who just want something a little bit more confident feeling on, on the road. Now, Well, it, it, the, it's, it's dramatically different from a base and praise yeah. it, right? Dramatically different than a base than a base. But if you look Absolutely. at the, if you look at the horsepower, it's pretty much two horsepower more than what we got on the previous generation. Is it really? I thought it was a little bit more than that. But it's 268 in, in the twenty twenty WRX, from what I remember. Okay, I will say that the the throttle, um, like the power delivery, is is a little bit better than I remember that. But you're right. I think looking back on it, I don't remember power power being the WRX's you know, critical flaw here, right? Well, it was And especially when you would com when you would compare it, sorry, to the other kind of um, hot sedans, like, let's say the, um, the what is it, the Honda STI? Uh, sorry, the Honda SI, or the um, uh, Volkswagen GTI, which I think had around 200 horsepower rather than... Yeah, I, I feel like the, those cars are, are below the WRX. I feel like the WRX had kind of... And they're also, you know... We're starting to talk about hatchbacks versus um, versus yeah, the, the sedan because we lost we lost the hatchback version of the WRX twelve years ago mm -hmm. now at this point. So the the things to talk about here um, still has a, a totally you know tactile feeling transmission, um, nice and heavy clutch. It is um, I call I would say that the motor feels fairly like the turbo lag hits like it really does have lag to it. Um, and it's goofy in that way. It's kind of fun. And I think that gives it a, an element of personality. This manual model does not have any extra drive modes, which I think is kind of cool too. I kind of like that this drives the way I want it to drive all the time. This is the way I want it to feel. Now, the um, CVT equipped models do have varying uh, drive modes. I think they call them SI modes. And there's also um, adaptive dampers in that model as well, which we don't get in the, in the manual transmission model. I think it's interesting that Subaru has gone to a larger displacement engine that produces identical power 
to the motor they're replacing. I know the torque curve is broader. I think it's like 2,500 to 5,600 RPM now, but that's pretty much the only real difference on paper that you're going to see between these engines, despite it being a larger motor. Now, this two this 2.4 liter turbo is in is in other Subarus now. Like it's in a lot of Subarus now. Um, and the old one, which was the FA the FA20, like a turbocharged version of uh, well, a two liter a two liter engine. I don't think it had very many stable mates in in the Subaru portfolio. So I think you've got this turbo uh, 2.4 in the Outback and the Ascent and the Legacy. Yeah, and I don't think you had that before. No. So this might be a, a cost thing, maybe. Um, well, you know, and you also want to move on from that engine. I think the other engine was, like, derived from the EJ, which is, like, a super old engine, design-wise. I don't I quote don't me on it. I think it is. I think it was closer to the... Um, it was closer to something else. The 2-liter? The, the 86, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that if that's That wasn't right. turbocharged. Okay. That's okay. Um, I'm... I'm okay with this engine. It does, like I said, it has the turbo lag to it. I don't think you'll be wanting for more power on a regular commute. It definitely makes passes easy in almost any gear. Um, and I and I think it sounds okay for a Subaru. I don't think these boxer engines sound particularly great. Um, but you hear it. It is loud. Uh, it drones a bit. And it has like a little bit of those like pops and cackles a little bit. Not too obnoxious, which I appreciate. And then when we talk about the the ride, I don't think the the ride is particularly um, refined. I think it's stiff, it's responsive, but um, I think there's sometimes a bit more chatter or play and and like un, unneeded feedback sometimes. And what's drivers. it like inside? Uh, the the inside is the most difficult thing to to talk about. Well, for starters, it features that like um, portrait shaped infotainment screen okay which um great uh, well not great but like it makes good use of all of that space when you're using it normally but if you use android auto or apple carplay it takes up like only the top half of that screen and the bottom half is kind of useless and And that seems like a real waste to me it, it consolidates a lot of features too right um yeah yes and you have to go through the screen for some things but because this doesn't have any like drive modes, like say uh, like an Outback would with like X mode or something, you don't find I don't find myself poking around that screen too often. So the SI and, modes are accessed elsewhere, as far as I know. Yes, I have. I don't know where I don't, I don't have that in the uh, because I have a manual model. I don't have it in the. Uh, oh, okay, I understand what you're saying. Sorry, sorry. I thought that in there the was. Past, I thought there was something. The, well, because well, on the yeah. on the STI, you were able to like change the differential, but it's not. Yes, with this little knob, but there's also these like weird drive modes. If you remember this, I think the Forester. Sport, or the Forester XT had this back in the day. Yeah, it was like a button on the steering wheel that like changed. It just changed the graph. On well, the it was a CVT, screen. right? But it would yeah. give you like between six and eight gears, I think, depending yeah, on. It was so weird. Depending on the mode you chose. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I think this has something like that. If you get the the CVT, that's something that I'll, uh, I'd be interested in checking out one day. But uh, I do have my fill of the WRX. I th- I think it's is usable all year long. Like you really do feel like this can be this can fit. Um, this can do, do daily driving duties. It can be fun on a track or, a, or an autocross. It can be fun in the back road. And then it can also be used in inclement weather or something like that with confidence and at speed, which I think is pretty handy too. There are like This class, though, is so difficult to judge right now because whenever we talk about it, we can't help but discuss the Elantra N, which I think is 
and the Velocitor N and the Kona N, which are these really unbelievably good sporty vehicles, right? Like, I mean, the Elantra N is probably the closest power-wise, and it's certainly the only other sedan in the compact segment that's up there yeah. in terms of performance, right? But it, it, it lacks the all-wheel drive. That's the big is, difference. Are there Jetta GLIs anymore? Are those gone? Yeah, but they're, they're the power is the same power as the GTI. But that's roughly, up to like so 250, not, right? Isn't it? I don't Aww. think so. Come on, Volkswagen, check. help us I'll out. check right now, but... Um, I'll check right now, but I don't think it's up to And I also do think... 220, it's 228 oh, horsepower. That's not enough. You're right. It has the same amount of torque as the WRX, though. It's 258 pound-feet. Interesting. But I'll go into the front wheels, which, you know, can have um, yes. an impact on, on driving. But you and I have driven the GLI, and it's not fun. No, no, It's not, no. like, it's not a car where you're like, oh, this is a blast. I really I really want to get out and do some more driving. It's like, okay, this is like a quicker, small sedan. I, I get that. You know, when you drive the Elantra N... It's a yeah. ton of fun. Yeah. Everything about it is a blast, you know. So, like, I, to me, there, there's, there's a big difference between those cars. Absolutely. And I. So, where does the WRX fall on that spectrum? It is not as far. As, it is not as boring or dull as a GLI, but it's not as um, in, intense and uh, enthusiastic as and sharp as a as a Elantra N. I think it is a very good, healthy medium um, between those two. That 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 spectrum there. Um, I will also, you know, I'll push the conversation a little bit more because I also have a Golf R, which has like another, which adds another element to that like sporty compact conversation. If you're going to go, if you want to go to the furthest extreme of the sport compact um, segment, especially with all wheel drive, I think the Golf R is like at one extreme, really. It, it's much more expensive. It has over 300 horsepower. It has all kinds of technology. Um, Whereas when you look at the WRX, it's way more bare bones and kind of like authentic in comparison. Authentic. What like does that it's mean? Tactile. It never feels like it's overcoming or making things happen with technology and like um, like ve like vector. It feels it feels raw in that sense, right? Like it feels like it's constant. It's using engineering rather than technology to make its performance. Um, uh, well, I, I haven't driven the W the WRX, but I I have driven the Golf R, and with the Golf R, you're looking at a front wheel drive bias platform that has been given all wheel drive, um, and that's going to inform how it feels behind the wheel compared to the WRX, which is designed from the beginning mm. to have all wheel drive, and I believe it's a constant fifty fifty split on the yeah. manual cars, so that's again. You don't have a computer, as you were mentioning, shuttling power around. And, it doesn't yeah. work the same way. When you when you do talk about the Golf R, again, I'm, I I don't want to sound dismissive of what the Golf R offers, and I do, oh, I'll do that I, if, I, if, if, you, do, if you don't I want to. I am hearing some uh, like disdain in your voice for the Golf R, but I want the, to the Golf R. I think the previous generation Golf R was a perfectly shrunken down executive car mm -hmm. that I think was comfortable, looked good, and was was quick. And reasonably enjoyable to drive. The current generation, I feel, is a much more cynical play. We've talked about it on the on the show before. Um, but to me, what happened when they pulled... We were talking about this before the, the yep. podcast. When they pulled the Golf from the North American market, it was because they didn't want to invest... Small cars are much nicer inside than they used yes. to be. It's been like this for eight or nine yes. years and now. And there, there are some entries in this class that I honestly think don't get enough credit. The Mazda 3... The cabin is fantastic. Like, it really is good. Sure. So when Volkswagen redesigned the Golf, they don't sell Golfs in America. 
They sell a lot of them in Canada comparatively, but in the US, people don't buy small hatchbacks. It's much less common. So they had the option of putting a lot of money into an interior and feature set and experience uh, for the North American customer that probably wouldn't be a return on their investment, or they could just sell kind of a stripped down golf in Europe that everyone's gonna buy because people are okay with that and they've been buying stripped down golfs for years. So what they did was, that was the choice they made. And then when they sent the GTI and the Golf over here, they didn't really, it's not the G, sorry, the GTI and the Golf R. We got these, en, we got a much more powerful engine and all this technology, yeah. but they kind of hoped that that would make us look the other way when it came to everything else about everything the car. Everything else about the, the car, ex, yeah. Yeah, the experience of the Golf R is low rent. It's, it it's is, insane the, to me because it, the, the technology is next gen. Like it really is incredible what they're able to do. But when, but when all of that gets, when you have to interact with the car, you know what I mean? When you have to touch yeah. parts of the car to make it work, that's unenjoyable. You wish you wouldn't have to do that. You wish you wouldn't have to touch. Volkswagen has taken over from Lexus in in giving you the worst in-car <laughs> interface experience. Like we yep. talked about it. it, you you have the 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 screen, and underneath the screen, you have a, a the HVAC controls that are not lit up at night. And they're literally so underneath see the them. screen. I don't know how, I, 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 I remember looking at this and being like, it can't be that bad when you talk, tell me about this. It's worse than I ever thought it could be. They are literally it's underneath really bad. the screen so that if you need to use the touch screen, oh, and it's also, it's also like, it has a proximity sensor, the screen. So when you bring your hand to it, something will happen on the screen before you touch it. And then you're, you're already like, what, wait, what did I do? What is happening? And then no, you're like, no, I need to brace my hand <laughs> on the dash so that I can use the infotainment screen. And especially in the dark when you don't see the HVAC controls, you end up touching something inadvertently. And it was such a mess to do this. Um, and, and and then you have, I mean, leaving aside the fact that there are controls in this car that you cannot use because you can't yep. see them at yeah. night, which is, which is a mind-blowing thing to me. But then you move over to the steering wheel, which has a whole bunch of touch-sensitive controls mm -hmm. that are overly sensitive slash not sensitive enough and they feel cheap when you touch them. So all of this combines where it's like you have a, a system where you're not sure how, when, or if you're interacting with it. And when you do touch it, you feel like you didn't spend like $50,000, no. which is what you spent to drive this Golf R. So all of, it's a very... It's a very, like I said, I use the word cynical to describe it because it feels like you can see all the cost cutting that you would not have seen in the previous generation Golf R, which did not feel like that at all. And that's always disappointing to me when, it, when a car company does which that. Which is too sad because if, if this had a slightly more refined experience in car, you would be, you would really enjoy the rest of the vehicle, I think, because... The yeah, motor yes is no, amazing. I mean, the, te the the ride is very is extremely versatile. Like the the amount of the, not only are there like a bunch of drive modes, but you can customize those drive modes to such a degree. I think there has to be like eighteen settings for like degrees of 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 variation for like a single setting. Like it, it's insane. But I didn't I didn't find it to be um, an engaging car. Yeah, that's that's like, what I think is the biggest issue with all of that tech. Is that when you when you have it managing the ride, the drivetrain, the noise, you end up feeling a little disconnected from everything. Definitely, it's it's it is a discon disconnected experience. It's not quite a disconnected speed experience like we've talked about on other yeah. vehicles because it's not quite that fast. But it's if you're looking for a driver's car, this is not it. This is something it, else, and you kind of like have to be okay with be that. Th it can be that. 
but you have to be like it's nerdy like you have to deal with with d- 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 you know adjusting all these settings every time you get in the but car but even when you adjust like you can never get past that layer of technology well, i just want to add there's another element of the technology that i like i actually don't mind a car that can you know i i know i'd say i sporty car should be sporty there should no there shouldn't be like too many drive modes this is a car that does have a bunch of drive modes and they actually have differentiation between them which makes it feel okay you know now i'm in my i'm just tootling around town and if i'm with my mom for example and i don't want to hear her complain about the noise of the car i can put in the comfort mode and she's okay with that the exhaust isn't loud but then when i'm on by, by myself or in a back country and i want to have a little bit of fun i want to make sure i hear or feel the fifty thousand dollars that are that have put into this car i could put one of those drive modes in i think that's okay an issue I do have is I think that this has some strange things going on with the steering, which makes it feel less engaging, and there's that's a disconnect to me. Um, when everything else, especially I've got a manual transmission model, which which is actually pretty decent, um, I feel like there there's like a variable ratio rack, I think, um, at play here, and it can sometimes feel a little inconsistent, and uh, that's not... Inconsistency is like the enemy of of a performance car for sure like especially when it comes to handling and feel right i guess so but i mean you know that inconsistency sometimes when you're dealing with like a software defined driving experience that's what happens when you get to the edges of what the designers thought you would be doing and what they thought you would enjoy if that makes sense that does i really do think that's a great way of um a, a really good perspective on it um so you you end up you'll you'll end up like it's not so much that you're going past the edge of what the car is capable. But you're trying but, uh, to find new of doing. things to market. Yeah. If you do something that's unexpected, then, you know, if the software is providing the entire driving experience, if, you, if you're if you in a car, if you're in a basic car with no software mm-hmm. in it and you do something unexpected, then, as you mentioned, it's predictable because you know the, the limits of the car. You understand how that car is set up suspension-wise, engine-wise, whatever. Like, you, you understand the boundaries of the car. But if the boundaries of the car are defined by software and those boundaries can change... And, and when you get past those software boundaries and you hit the physical limits of the car, you're not familiar yeah. with them anymore. And so it feels artificial in, in, a, in a new way. Almost. So when I said that the WRX feels a little bit more authentic, now you're starting to believe – now you might be able to understand a little bit um, of, that, of that comment because to me there are elements of the, of the Golf R that feels filtered, that feels curated, that feels um, like that it's been set up this way. While as when I drive the WRX, it's the same way every time I drive it, it's expected. It's what was expected mm. of the car when I first got in it. And I think that's yeah, that yeah, predictability yeah. is actually an asset in some in some to some drivers. And maybe for Subaru owners, it's exactly what it is. And the more I think about it, I think that's a perfect fit. Not to disparage, you know, Subaru shoppers, but I think they're okay with like a consistency across the the entire portfolio. Uh, or across certain generations of vehicle. I mean, now, do you feel like the new? So I took a look at the weights of the okay. car, and the the new WRX is almost identical to the previous yeah. car for almost every trim level. So did it feel a little more or less insulated? Did, was there any kind of insulation going on here? Because almost every time you get a, a new iteration of a car, you lose a little bit of that connection with the road. But was it like that with the like, WRX? It's it feels that there are moments when it feels a little bit quieter. Um, and that's it, really. That's honestly it. Um, I don't think it's like, you know, refinement. Subaru needs to. I don't know if Subaru knows what refinement is. Sometimes, like, 
<laughs> they, they're like, this is what the cars sound like. This is what our engine sounds like. And they stuck to that. That's what it sounds like. You're going to hear this tractor-like Voxer engine every once in a while. And you're going to be okay with it, I think. Or you're, you know, those plastics are going to are going to come across, um, or they're going to they're going to bump or or shunt each other, and you're going to hear it. Um, I'm not sure it's a more um, insulated or refined experience on that end. It is a bigger car, as far as I can tell. It feels wider. It definitely feels longer. Like the rear seats feel like usable, like a sedan usable. Um, and and I didn't feel as like when you're talking about compact. To, compact even though one is a hatchback in the golf r um the rear seats of the subaru seem much more comfortable and, and accommodating um for an everyday user so any any final thoughts on the wrx the wrx the most difficult thing to talk about is that there isn't something above this that there is no peak subaru performance car or pinnacle or halo or or flagship performance vehicle to not have an STI in the North American market is a worrying thing for me when it comes to the performance branding of Subaru, which I thought was, I, I mean, I don't know, call me naive. I thought it was kind of um, important to the brand. Um, but I guess the more and more we move, the less and less that's becoming important, right? Well, I mean, you mean the more SUVs become the dominant yeah. language at Super? I'm I'm honestly surprised the Legacy is still in the mix. Yeah. Okay. Not 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 to take away from the Legacy. Yeah. I just mean like in terms of its position in the Subaru family. I don't see very many of them on the road, especially now that and other like Nissan and Toyota offer all-wheel drive sedans as well. Sure. And there's more dealerships available, right? It just seems like the focus, as you said, is is pulling away from cars, pull, certainly pulling away from the WRX. And uh, the other thing that's odd to me is that not only did we lose the STI, but we've also lost like the XT version of the Forester, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, I, I, I'm assuming there isn't one in, in the in the future. I mean, they gave it to the Outback, and it's not a very powerful, or not a, I'm not shouldn't say that. It's not a very sporty version yeah. of the Outback. It's just kind of the quickest version, right? Whereas there used to be a pretty sporty version of the Forester that's out there too. So, it, yeah, it does feel a little bit like a redefinition of the I brand. If that's on the way because if you look at the Crosstrek and the Outback, they both have, like the Outback has an XT model and a Wilderness model. The Crosstrek has a sport model with a, with a more powerful engine and also a wilderness model. But the this this there's a wilderness version of the of the of the of the. I Crosstrek? blew your mind. I think I swear there is. Am I crazy? I don't I don't think there is. Okay. Uh, but Maybe I, I, I do want or my own imagination. <laughs> I do want imagination yeah. embargo. Oh, I there do is want to point one. out crazy. Though, You're right. I thought there no, was. Um, I do want to point out that that bigger engine, the Crosstrek, still isn't a turbocharged engine. It, you honestly might be able to call it the engine that should be in all Crosstreks. The two point five. Because yeah, yeah, the base motor is inadequate, yes. and it really lets down what is otherwise a very intriguing package. Okay, there might be a new Crosstrek wilderness. It's not happening yet, but who knows? Um, all right. Okay, is that your imagination? Yeah, letting us know, or maybe that's. Oh, you know what it might be? It might be that that's what the wilderness was. <laughs> rumored to be before i mean that was what the sport was rumored to be before it was sport you know what okay one more thing that i want to i want to talk about here in terms of branding um when you take a look at what suru is losing here and you take a look at across the across the 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 street at toyota for example toyota has 
invented this new brand of GR, which I thought was was weird to begin with. Just have this GR brand, this Gazoo Racing, which didn't feel like it had um, a foothold. But now has put three cards with this GR badge on it, and they actually seem pretty cool and pretty good. That I think, you know, when you have good products and they're fun and they're enthusiastic, they understand um, a certain market, you've got something special happening. And it's funny because Toyota already had yeah, TRD. Yeah, they already had TRD. Of course they did. Yeah. But then they're like, let's just make TRD off-road only, I guess. Except for the Camry. Unless we're getting like Except a the cam- GR to call. TRD Camry. Wasn't there a TRD That's Avalon true. as well? That's, those are the off-road versions of the Camry and the Avalon. Now. Yes, absolutely. We're going to get a GR Tacoma just to confuse things even further. Okay, you're right. There is some confusion happening there. But I think when you make a good product, uh, a confident, and you have confidence in there, you'd put your your sport brand on it. And um, when the SCI is gone, I don't know how long it'll be gone for, but when it comes back, I'm curious to see if, if that's going to still have um, an impact. I guess we're seeing a lot of automakers bring back these performance branding, but the return of those names sometimes, like when it came to the Type R or the what was the other one in the Acura Type S? Those didn't nail the impact, I, I, I think, then in their return, right? It's, and Subaru is also a very small company, yeah. right? Like how long can they hold out? Um, is it really worth bringing back? All that stuff st- kind of starts to come into focus. Yeah. And remember when they had all these other like um, – what was the other one? TS, like tuned by SDI or something like that they used to have. And yep. Uh, yep. all sorts of strange names, series or something like that. Um. I, I have a TS. No, no, I have an RS. Never mind. Yeah, RS. Isn't that a name that they used to do or a trim level? They used? I sure. Guess it, so I have I have an Impreza RS from 2004, and that's a it's it's a WRX without the WRX engine. <laughs> so you get like the the wide body, and you get the different suspension and stuff. Um, Why don't we but have that you don't anymore? Get, like, you I don't know. <laughs> because there are, Impreza has decided to become a decidedly decided to become decidedly. That's yeah. great. Great speaking. It has become a decidedly uninteresting car to drive. Uh, it has a, I mean, as practical as the hatchback is, the, the drivetrain is uninspiring and the interior is not great. And um, it's not, it's not engaging, you know, and these, the, the Impreza used to be an interesting car. And I think that kind of moved on. I think the Crosstrek kind of took that over, which is weird because they're pretty much the same car. But I don't think you can you can't get the the two point five in the appraisal like you can in the cross track yeah, now. Yeah. So and and that's too bad. Yeah. What happened? Come on, Subaru, help, help us out. I, I think it's clear what happened. No one's Nobody buying them. Like, and I don't mean appraisals. I just mean like small yeah. cars. Like it's not not the big thing anymore. So um, I think that's all I really have to say. I think I ended up talking a lot about something a lot more than I anticipated speaking about. We love it when that happens. Um, I'm also taking that Golf R, though, and comparing it to the other, like, top dog or anticipated top dog in the, in the segment, which is the Civic Type R, which is something I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you about. Uh, and that's the redesigned yeah, Type Yeah, the new R. Gen Type R. Um, yeah. Which will be interesting to talk, again, because the new Civic has gotten all, like, significantly more refined and upscale compared to the old one. And whether or not that plays into the Type R will be, um, will be worth, worth checking out. Well, it's going to be an interesting episode for high-performance fans because I'm going to be talking next week about the new Nissan Z. Very cool. I love that. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll have a – we've got a lot of uh, brand-new redesigned sports cars to, to talk about. If you want to make sure 
that you don't miss that episode, you're going to want to subscribe. I think that's the best thing you should do. Um, subscribing is super easy to our podcast. All you need to do is use your podcast client to search for us. We're Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Um, or you can go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And um, there's a bunch of buttons on the top there. You click on them, um, and you'll be subscribed. It's very handy. Additionally, when you're at our website, you'll see all of our previous episodes. You can see photos of the cars that we've been driving. And um, what else? Oh. Well, there's a social yeah. media that you can find us on, Sammy. If you if you want to talk to us, and we would love to hear from you, uh, you can get a hold of us. There's three basic ways to do it. You can find Sammy on the cesspool that is Twitter. He is Sammy at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. That's S-A-M-I underscore ha. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Hunting Benjamin, or you can email us the old-fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or if you don't want to do any of that, if you go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you will find a contact form. You just fill it out. You hit click. Uh, you hit click. You click the you button, and it goes right it to today. our. Wow. I know. Uh, it goes right to our it, inbox. Yeah, it into our inbox. Yes. Um, at least, at least I didn't say box in. I mean. <laughs> I've got some standards. Uh, we do have good standards, and you'll hear more of them next week. I'm sure of it, okay? Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, so. and uh, talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.